Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kulsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going actually really good this week. Um, overall, just like, Kate, I had to see a T-Rex head. Like, I was like three feet away from a T-Rex head that was still in limestone. That's really cool. I know, no. Um, two of my friends and I, we went up for one of their birthdays to the Burke Natural History Museum, which is on uh, the U- University of Washington campus. Really nice natural history museum, small, but really good like exhibits that are really well laid out. But they are excavating a, um, a, di- a T-Rex uh, skeleton that they've, that they've taken custody of. And while we were there, we were like the only people in like this little area. So we were watching this woman like clean and like, sand stuff off and dust stuff off and she turns around and she invites us in to the room and it's just like so we're like standing right next to this giant head of a dinosaur and like she's just like i just uncovered these teeth today we're expecting like a whole fully full set of teeth for this and it's just like those are dinosaur teeth kate (laughs) and it was very cool and it was very exciting and then we felt kind of bad because while we were there getting this an impromptu personalized tour like a ton of kids under like the age of like eight come storming through like the area and so they're like standing up at the glass watching and looking at it and so the woman ushers us out uh, to get back to work and then she just slams the door on this <laughs> parent and kid who are like clearly thinking we're next in line to see this and the the woman is just like no i don't do kids I don't do kids, and I also, I didn't let the adults touch the dinosaur bone, (laughs) so we're not going to let the kids even think about it, (laughs) even though all the adults in the room were just like, she's going to let us touch it? I feel like this is going to happen. She's going to let us touch the dinosaur (laughs) skull, and that did not happen, but it was very, very cool. Like, it was just a really kind of surreal experience to be that close to something like that, and it not be like mounted or anything just like in the stone still and it was it was a very cool very neat sort of like a rare experience for someone who does not go on digs Mm -hmm. um so yeah that was kind of like that was last saturday but i've been sort of living on that vibe for most of the week nice Uh, yeah so how's your week been well my week has been okay however i do there are currently televerse feed issues that I, I need to let people know about here at the top of the show, which is, you know, a bit of a frustration. Um, I'm working on it, and it should be able to be resolved pretty quickly, but currently the MP3 feed of the podcast that goes into iTunes is not updating. So I need to... And it, the, it's, there's a whole... Because it redirects from the feed that it gets published to to another feed so that if the we change the, the place that we are publishing it, the feed wouldn't be interrupted but now that is like they're like you've used all the space you could possibly use in a feed delete stuff which you can't do because it's a whole thing anyways the m4a is just fine the mp3 is not showing up in itunes um but i will hopefully have that resolved soon uh so that is the unfortunate um televerse specific stuff going on right now um today has been a better day because um as as we record, uh, 
John McCain, Senator McCain, has come out uh, and said he's going to vote against this latest uh, health care, <laughs> air quotes, care. Air quotes, yeah. Uh, bill that that is trying the that's trying to get pushed through the the GOP is trying to push it through the Senate next week, and um, so now we have two people who said they're going to vote no. I don't necessarily trust that that will happen. Yeah. <laughs> people are, and it's it's frightening how complacent people are this time around because they got shut down last time. But I did want to specifically throw some love to Jimmy Kimmel this week. Have you been following his monologues? I have been actually, which is like the first time I've ever followed a Jimmy Kimmel monologue in my life. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. I I saw his, um, his emotional speech that he gave after his son was born. Did you see that one too? No, that one I didn't see. Oh, seek it out. It's it's really good. This is where what this week's monologues right. have been have been spun off of. But basically, his son was born premature and with or, and no, sorry, with a heart defect. Heart defect, right? No, yeah. this I'm familiar with. I just didn't see him talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's it's really it's really moving. So listeners, I recommend that you seek that one out. And then so because of that, he's very informed now on on pre-existing conditions and on healthcare issues um, surrounding, you know, things that will affect his child as he lives his life, for example. So he's really up to date on what's going on with the health care stuff. And he's been talking about it in a really powerful and meaningful way, while pretty much nobody else has been uh in late night like mentions here and there but not in the way the personal and the specific way that kimmel has been doing this week so i wanted to specifically shout that out it's been uh impressive and because uh, they're in the late night game and we're going to talk about the emmys a little, little bit later in the show in the late night game there's a lot of um you can get a lot of mileage out of political things um especially when you have Trump up there and his administration and the current GOP giving you so much uh, material to work with. Um, but you can always tell when something is personal and is very specific to a host or to to any writer. And that is very true this week with, with Kimmel. And um, and it would it, it just kind of re- it throws in stark relief how casual and glib some of the other hosts have gotten with their bits, uh, their, their like opening monologues and their bits about the current uh, like political situation in our country. Um, it's it's a well appreciated dose of earnestness <laughs> and intensity. So uh, we can't have you can't sustain that every day, every week with each new potential calamity it's been an exhausting year but it still was was really nice to see this week so uh i wanted to throw some love up there apparently i'm turning the opening segment here noel into a review segment i should get out no it's okay (laughs) um also wanted to mention quickly here that uh, we got a message on facebook from one of our listeners dominic lemieux la liberté so thank you for writing back in um and he's uh, he said thanks for reviewing so many different shows really enjoy listening um on the way to work and school um and wants to and thanks us for not having ads <laughs> and wants to know if we took donations and we haven't actually set up a way to do that um in the past uh when we were at sound on site uh there was uh, a fundraiser that we were looking at doing that would have taken donations towards that website 
um, as uh, and with the prize or the the reward being a, 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 you getting to pick a segment for us to talk about. But that was just a related to sound on sight. Um, that was quite a while ago so we don't we don't have anything like that that we're planning to do and we will let you know if we do decide to put a donate button up uh, at the website um if that becomes something that we feel comfortable with um that, or something that we need to do for um any of a number of reasons uh, see earlier re-feed issues but I, i'm not anticipating that so i think uh that will um probably not start that anytime soon but we will let you know if we start a patreon or if we put up a donate button or anything like that um but thank you so much dominic for reaching out because i like again no how often do we forget that people actually do listen um, a little bit but i mean we, we get tweets we get tweets, we get tweets. that's true yeah we, I get, we yeah. get tweets <laughs> so but what i'm saying is uh we appreciate you reaching out and um and uh that is you know we we don't get lengthy missives i guess very right. often yeah, so no. the fact that you cared enough to to reach out and, and and extend you know your your thoughts on on uh on tv right now and and everything is we appreciate it so thank you very much and thank you for the offer of a donation um so at the end of the this week's episode we're going to be talking about our resolutions again our tv resolutions for 2017 to remind the listeners noel your resolution was watch more anime and your resolution was watch more YouTube series. So uh, Noel's going to be checking in with all of the shows that he talked about uh, the last time, uh, and more, <laughs> and and a few more. So descending stories uh, and all out, all out. Sorry, there's an exclamation point yeah. there. Um, yeah. <laughs> as well as checking in with the previous ones that he, he's mentioned. I'm talking about Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery uh, dinner party that'll be coming at the end of the show. Like I said, but now we should get started on our week in TV because we watched so much TV listeners this week almost all of it though by ken burns and lynn novick <laughs> yes yes there was we'll, we'll be getting to that but um anyway so let's take a break and come back with our week in comedy looks like we made it look how far we've come my baby we might have took a long way we knew we'd get there someday they said They'll never make it, but just look at us holding on. We're still together, still going strong. Still, you're still the one I run to, the one that I belong to. You're still the This week in comedy, Noel and I are going to talk about the, uh, the first two episodes of The Good Place Season 2. Noel's doing a happy dance, and I'm doing an internal happy dance. The episode title is Everything is Great! And it so is. Okay, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I'll talk quickly about Nathan for You, A Celebration, and Better Things, last week's premiere as well as this week's episode Rising. Uh, then we'll talk Broad City, Twaining Day. Ah, oh, lovely. And round things out with Adventure Time, The Wild Hunt, Always Bemo Closing, Son of Rat Bear, and Bonnabelle Bubblegum. So first up is The Good Place. And Noel, I'm so glad it's back. This premiere was it's so good. It's back. It's back. Yay. 
No, it was very, very good. And I was glad that it, they were allowed to do like an hour mm-hmm. for this uh, because it's just, it's a delightful reintroduction to the series, but it starts uh, setting up things. And, and I'm really excited about that. Mostly I'm excited about the fact that all the demons are deeply disgruntled and unhappy, with the <laughs> exception of Vicky, who I'm glad is back and is like seemingly to that actor's to be promised a much larger role. Mm. And it's just, it's so good. And I, I just, I don't know where to start with how Michael recalibrates all of their hells um, in such delightful ways, especially mm. poor, poor Tahani's and her cargo pants and her Crocs. <laughs> And her, her very short soulmate who goes, I felt like your sister's music was just curing the malaria for us. <laughs> it's so good, Kate. Uh, how did you feel about it? Uh, yeah, it was super fun. And I liked that they, we, we, because when you, you see the first season, the way it ends and that fabulous evil laugh and all the potential for the next season, um, the the confidence that Michael gets from that and from the appreciation of his genius and it can, you know, like sort of from the humans in, in devising this hell that he completely overplays his hand and screws it all up um, is, is, is super fun. Um, the idea that the note is gone is a little bit uh, disappointing um, for, for the next like stretch of episodes that we're going to get, but I think they needed something because we needed to see Michael screw up so that he's got something to hide. And so now he has something to hide from his boss. Um, It was Sean, right? Is his boss? Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. So that's good. Um, There's more stakes, which is good. We're getting new perspectives, point of views, which is good. I'm a little concerned about how long they'll be able to like develop this and really build this up. I think that there's still potential for us to get flashbacks and stronger sense of who these characters are. Just having them draw on different memories than we saw in the first season, but it's going to be really tricky to thread that. And I'm a little concerned that we're getting so much more time with Michael. We'll get less time with these other characters and they're who I care about. So balancing all of that will be tricky. Uh, I like the way that they have set up a few of the demons, like the guy who just always wants to bite. (laughs) Like there's so much fun they could have with that if they want. Um, So, so having the the two part premiere swing too far one direction, um, I think, and and then having them to have need to reset again, there's a lot of potential there. Um, So we'll see we don't have any sense i have no sense of what the next string of episodes will be after we get our reset here i don't think they'll reset again so i mean what do you think do you think michael's going to reset again well i mean he's going for like try number three uh now with sans note um but i'm i'm so he's on obviously going to make like another attempt like the episode ends with like ready to make another attempt but i'm really excited about just this fact that he like you said he has this secret now that he's keeping from sean but he's got this whole workforce that is steadily turning against him Mm -hmm. who just wants to go back to the twisting department (laughs) (laughs) and so he has to like navigate that somehow and i'm i'm really compelled by the fact that this show has 
basically gone, all right, we know we've made Ted Danson evil, but what if he's kind of a scrappy underdog evil that you kind of want this to work out for him a little bit? And I like that kind of tension that the show's building in so far as it's just like, maybe you want him to successfully torture these four people that you really like in these kind of ridiculous ways that don't involve penis flatteners and butthole spiders. They're enormous. <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. So I, I like this sort of potential for what we have going forward with Michael. Um, but I do agree with you that I want... Uh, I don't want to lose focus or of our quartet. Well, quintet, really, because I, I consider Janet sort of yeah. a prisoner as well. Yeah. And and I and so I liked the fact that the show didn't lose sight of like their dynamics, even though they had forgotten one another. Mm-hmm. So like, Eleanor is still probably legit into Tahani, <laughs> and it's amazing. And like Janet and Jason have like a moment in which Jason like hugs her mm-hmm. and Janet sort of like breaks a little bit. Yeah. And it's just like all the stuff from last season is like still present. So they're like constants. And I'm really excited to see how the show plays with all of that stuff going forward. Um, but I do have questions about how often they can potentially reset uh, without the show just becoming repetitive because you can't just keep cutting to disgruntled demons mm-hmm. and going like, Oh God, again, but the threat of Sean shutting everything down, I think necess- necessitates them solving that issue somehow very quickly. Yeah. Well, and also of course, if Michael fails and his project gets turned down, then right. as it currently stands, our heroes, go get to have some fun with the this those spiders and flatteners and yeah. we don't want that to happen either so oh. like you know it'll be interesting to see how they played out and if they get more rivalries within the demons so like if, if some of the demons decide actually they kind of like this this is much nicer than their usual jobs then you could have a whole other set of things that we're following which could be a lot of fun so we'll see what they do but certainly it was a really entertaining and and um fun like restart to the season and and reboot so yeah i look i'm really looking forward to what's what's coming next and just you you know the writers and the cast and and everybody on this team have got to be having so much fun with this show It's a ridiculous amount of fun, and I just, I, I'm, I've rewatched season one a week ago, two weeks ago, uh, for the third time, mm-hmm. uh, because how could you not? And <laughs> just the guy who plays Jason, yeah, so good, such a treat. I mean, there's an immense amount of work that goes into making stupid that funny without it feeling really grating. So, like, even just his delivery at the end of no homie and going on about how awesome Pillboy is. Uh-huh. It's just so good. It's so very good. And he's, it's, the entire cast is just the damn delight. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, okay. Let's move on to our next episode. I'm sure we'll have more to say about The Good Place next week. Um, Nathan For You is back after like a year and a half off the air. And they're starting their season, or I guess sort of 
previewing their season with uh, Nathan Few a celebration, which um, present is presented by a different host who is doing a look back on the previous three seasons, all thirty six episodes or twenty four <laughs> episodes, or whatever, it is, and and catching up with they, they go back and interview some of the people who have been on the show over different times and see what they're up to now, and it's just so ridiculous in that perfect nathan for you way um that it's it's a lot of fun and the like i i don't know enough about comedy and comedy terms to know how to describe this show it strikes me like is this uncomedy or non-com like the thing where the whole point is that it's not funny you know like there's 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 a term for that i don't know if this falls into that that's what it makes me think of as a very very lay person um in you know the different forms of comedy um but yeah it's it's it doesn't even approach the depths of what it was doing towards the end of the last season but it's not also not really trying to here um it's just trying to be silly and ridiculous and awkward and and uh are you y'all are y'all for reals um with with this and i think it really succeeds at that i'm very glad that again that nathan for you is the kind of show that we can have in peak tv that it is its own thing its own kind of approach to comedy and to this type of show like like the interview or the reality kind of show like that where you go solve a problem at someone's job um yeah, it, there's got to be an audience of like four people, and yet it's back for a fourth season. So it's pretty exciting, and I, I was certainly glad that it was back. Uh, speaking of better things, you were not kidding. That premiere was amazing, Noel. Right? Yeah, it was really good and just delightfully uncomfortable, and then just delightfully real, and then just it was very funny overall too. Yeah, when what's his face just starts singing as like, and you just cut to oh. like, like, like he's got to make it about like kids are playing music for everybody, and he's just like, it's about me. <laughs> um, yeah. and you you've got like the three super unimpressed characters that actually know this guy, and then the rest of the crowd is too many of them are wrapped with and super impressed. Um, yeah, it was delightful. I had missed the camera of better things so much, which I didn't realize until I started watching and we're following Sam through her house. And I was like, those are the touches that make this show feel specific compared to some of the other comedies that we've talked about recently. Like, I'm sorry, but several other ones where you're just following a family or following a main character and and their kids as they, you know, deal with life kind of a thing. Um, The, the second episode is also really good. Um, and I think I probably like the premiere a little bit more, but like, but again, it's, it's just so warm and so specific. There's a great, great rant that I look forward to you watching. We could talk about it next week, but there's an amazing rant. Um, and, uh, it's going to be in contention for some of the best, um, or the most memorable or most fun dialogue of the year for me. Um, I'm probably overhyping it for you now, but but enjoy. Yeah. You'll know it now, when you get to now it. Now it won't be any good. No, I'm but, sure it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, super duper fun. More on that next, more on Rising next week. Let's move over to Broad City and Twaining Day. And I had said um, I was I was surprisingly rooting for Abby and Trent, not Trent, Trey. And I like that they immediately go back to that here and like reestablish where that is, is all at. I like Wanda Sykes as Abby's new boss. There's so much potential here. There is. And uh, I, w- I was really pleased with everything that was in Twaining Day. 
Um, I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the presence of Wanda Sykes, like you said. Uh, I'm excited about Abby's new job and like an office. And I like the fact that she seems excited to be there, that her coworkers seem to like her as well. And I, I'm excited about like the opportunities that that offers, especially for Abby, um, now that we're away from Solstice. Um, but no, I, I liked how they just very quickly reestablished Trey and Abby and those dynamics. And um, the fun, uh, the very obvious tension and just plenty of really good exercise jokes um, that are present in there and stretching and gazing and how very into it Shania, Shania is. is oh, yeah. Probably like the capper, I think, on all of that. Like, it's funny. But when you've got a mega superstar celebrity singer there going like, yeah, yeah, I like this. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for this. This is good inspiration. But also like a hint of voyeurism to it as well. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's very delightful and very layered. And I'm glad that uh, uh, she was very game for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like Kelly Ripa heights, but mm -hmm. it's good. It's good. Um, how did you feel about uh, what was happening with Alana? Uh, she navigated having this also very lucrative new job um, at a sushi bar. Yeah, I thought it was super fun. I really enjoyed RuPaul. Um, though I would say my favorite RuPaul bit of the week, we're going to talk about when we get to reality and we talk about the Emmys. I actually enjoyed that a little bit more. But uh, but it was fun to see, uh, see him pop up here. And I love that it's theoretically recurring. Yeah. You know, whenever we go back to her job, for now at least, that will mean hopefully checking in with RuPaul. Um, the... It like could have easily gone to shtick, and it was like towing the line of shtick. But I think there was just enough personality to that character that that it stayed on the right side of that, um, and so that we could see the character again and still have fun in that world. I like that. There's like you start to get this whole backstory of why some of the different people work there, and then Alana, then Alana's just out. Um, also, I like that theoretically she has a somewhat lucrative job for now so that like we right. can and some of the money questions can at least be you know even out. yeah yeah what did you think about it oh I, I liked it as well i liked the little journey that she goes on with herself and her aluminum foil <laughs> um, of like i don't want to be mean except she's very good at being mean as even like the opening sort of establishes yeah and which i appreciated that that was like a part of that arc for her uh, in the episode and but then like i'm just realizing I, I i i can do just as well being really nice to people and i'm more comfortable with that i'm happier with that and i made it 800 and then this my co-worker is about to open up about wanting to spend more time with her father and i'm out <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's really good so I, I i was very happy with like both threads of this episode and i, I really appreciated the callback to like season one of like no do not send that to the do not send that to that island do not do that <laughs> not. yeah north other island yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. going to pick that up <laughs> good times not doing that again i love the the opening and then and like the the guys like wait why am i like that notion of maybe we just need to get some weed out there i'm not a drugs person or or, or a weed person at all but just the the notion that maybe that would actually solve some issues is delightful even if it's 
probably not true. Um, yeah. And then the callback at the end to that, that's this massive box of Plan B. Uh, yeah, very well constructed. Super duper fun. Um, okay, let's move on to our last episodes of, of the Week in Comedy. And we put this in comedy just honestly for structural things of, of what was going to be where. But it's, just, it's somewhat comedy. It's somewhat drama, somewhat genre. Um, how how are you feeling about uh, the Adventure Time, the Wild Hunt, Always Be More Closing, Son of Rat Bear, Bonnebel Bubblegum? Um, I mean, I really liked these episodes. I had a lot of fun with them. I was trying to figure out why these episodes in this order all on the same day. Like you, Night, yeah. Because Wild Hunt and, and uh, Bonnebel Bubblegum, like there's threads there, but then you get these two standalones. And if you're going to... Why? Yeah, it's it's a sort of a. I, I feel like Son of Rapier is m- much more standalone than the other three are mm-hmm. because Always Be Mo Closing, which is just such <laughs> a great title, it makes yeah. me very happy, but introduces the cup, which is necessary to spur on the flashbacks in Bonnebel Bubblegum. But that's like the only reason it's there is so mm-hmm. that we can like have that connective tissue there. Um, but I had like the same sort of like thought process of like, I don't know quite why we're getting all of these apart from the fact that they just sort of wanted to do a lot of exposition in one night, I guess, yeah. is like how I'm sort of feeling about this is like, yes, all of these episodes are varying degrees of good and interesting and also just kind of weirdly funny, which is mainly Son of Rap Bears, a weirdly funny episode of like legs falling off of teddy bears and that will never not be disturbing, <laughs> but also a little funny. Um, so yeah, I appreciated like the, how Wild Hunt dealt with Finn's PTSD and guilt over killing Fern and how that kept playing out. Um, even if I was initially like, I don't know quite what we're doing with this giant monster. And it was just like, don't worry about what we're doing with the giant monster. This is what this is about. And mm-hmm. I just went, oh, okay, great. I'm, 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 I'm back on board here. And um, Always Be More Closing was just kind of cute. But again, it just feels driven by the desire to like put things into place for Bonnebel bu- Bubblegum, which is... I don't know what I think about Bonnebel Bubblegum, apart from the disturbance of uh, the pinata and the punch bowl being her relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, self-made relatives. Yeah, not really, but... Yeah. Yeah. And But people that she cared about, to a mm-hmm. certain extent. Uh, but I, and I... I'm always wanting more bubblegum, like, backstory. So... On like that that level of me being a huge bubblegum fan and also being wanting to see more of how bubblegum became this technocratic despot mm-hmm. um, that everyone loves except for the one true king of ooh. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated like from a storytelling perspective, but from like an episode and like sort of like um, dramatic stakes sort of perspective, I just went, this is just groundwork type of stuff and i'm now ready for like a main course as it were um yeah yeah that's sort of how i ended up feeling about it of like i'm glad these were all together because if they had been spread out across the week i would have been like ah i guess wait but then when when's the next episode like i feel like i want to like this feels like the kind of thing oh we're launching into like a thing like a yeah like, not. but we're not you know and and i can say absolutely i hadn't considered that but the the position of these as all in one night uh, causing people to view it probably the way that we both did where you just watch them in a row and so you're getting more of a long form feel of them like so like the yeah. you're getting more payoffs the 
uh, and that would help the, you know, sort of like the people of Steven Universe have figured out, oh, our show works way better if we do a massive bomb than if we do one a week. It doesn't track the same way. So, yeah. you know, I appreciate that. Like, something like Bonobo Bubblegum was a strong episode, but wouldn't have been as effective in a different context, probably. So I think that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, I would say, like... So like the pairing of Bemo and Ice King, I think, is terrific. That right. was so fun. I hope we get to see more of that at some point. Um, and I always enjoy Bemo episodes. But um, And it was nice to check in with Flame Princess, too. It had been a while, at least as I'm rem- remembering. But I think my favorite episode was Wild Hunt because of the yeah. Finn and Fern stuff. Um, and just that I, I loved that idea of him being like, well, I've got a lot of issues. This might not be the healthiest way to deal with them, but we're just going to transfer those issues to a, we're going to pivot and uh, it's not a solution, but at least this person won't die. Yeah. Um, so you know, just like this coping mechanism that it can't possibly actually work long term, but at least gets us to the next episode. Um, I thought it was very interesting. And again, I love this kind of storytelling and uh, character exploration that they're doing on an air quotes kids show. Kids are watching like seasons and years long buildup of PTSD and, and trauma affect Finn in really deep, meaningful ways um, that he's still approaching from a teenager's perspective and dealing with, you know, with very few tools. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's, it's another strong batch of adventure time we love adventure time here at the televerse um but but noel normally i would have said obviously adventure time wins but it's good place it's adventure time what wins your week in tv or no, we your week it. in comedy i should say yeah no it's it's good place because uh, it's back and it, it made me happy and now we get more immediately as opposed to who knows when we get more adventure time uh what about you what won your week in comedy yeah, I did watch a bu- go back and watch a bunch of BoJack season three because um, mm-hmm. I, I started the season over again because I didn't remember how many I'd seen and it actually worked and played for me much better this time through. Um, I got through that amazing underwater episode that everybody talked about, which <laughs> last time I found out I stopped the episode before that one <laughs> in watching season three. Um, but yeah, so so I didn't quite finish season three, so that one was certainly contending. But I will also give it to the good place because it was great. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> now we'll take a break and come back with our week in reality genre and drama. Focus. Just record the show and try to show up at the protest. You heard. 
That was Everything is Better on TV from the Emmy Awards, at least a part of it. Um, this week in reality genre and drama, we are going to talk about the Emmy Awards. We're also going to talk, slight pivot there, to the Vietnam War uh, documentary on PBS. The first five episodes, Deja Vu, Riding the Tiger, The River Sticks, Resolve, and This is What We Do. Then I'll talk briefly about The Sinner, Part 8, which was the finale, and we'll round things out with Halt and Catch Fire, Nowhere Man. So first up is the Emmy Awards. I watched the whole thing. You watch just the opening uh noel how did how did the opening feel to you uh it felt fine like uh i enjoyed the musical number i liked the running gag of a uh anthony anderson from abc's blackish um i thought <laughs> it was very amusing. from abc's blackish yeah. <laughs> so i enjoyed that um i think like even though i don't watch the americans my favorite part was watching reese and russell just like go dead face like immediately yeah and like nothing and it's just like it's really good it was very funny but it's also a testament to the fact that both of these are very good actors mm-hmm. that are getting like the recognition that they deserve and again i'm saying this is someone who only did like two seasons of the americans but also just consistently says i don't understand why they're not getting any recognition yeah um because it kind of boggles my brain a little bit and just from that scene alone it's just like they're very good Mm -hmm. so i enjoyed that um i enjoyed colbert um acknowledging like it's just like congratulations everyone because game of thrones isn't in contention this year so you're all winners (laughs) um which is very accurate um but then i mean do we want to talk about this or do you just want to kind of like Go into what was nice about it, or do you want to end with what was nice about the show overall? Let's um, let's dive right in. So, listeners, it's yeah. time for another installment of one of my favorite mini segments of the show. Uh, we don't have many, but this one's definitely right up there. Uh, Noel, if if you would hit the button for us, please. Here, it's time for another spotlight of shame. Yes, that's right. Uh, Noel, we need to shame the crap out of uh, Stephen Colbert here because he did a terrific job as host. I thought overall it was fun. The the for the most part the award show it moved. Uh, it was pretty well balanced. Uh, I thought as these things go, but okay. So when when Fallon Jimmy Jimmy Fallon has Donald Trump on his show and tousles his hair and doesn't actually ask him any difficult questions and treats him like a kindly if somewhat cantankerous older relative we go how dare you do this jimmy fallon oh you just don't realize what you've done when snl has donald trump on and uh and provides him a platform after banning him from the network for a while, we go that shame on you. You should know better, but you're just grabbing for cash and ratings because you've been doing so poorly. That's not acceptable, but I, we see how this happened. When Stephen Colbert has Sean Spicer on to make a cheap joke, not that funny of a joke, a cheap joke, just mostly the spectacle of, oh my god, I can't believe that Stephen Colbert is going to have Sean Spicer come out. He knows what he's doing. And apparently it was his idea. He knows what he's doing. He knows that he's rehabilitating the image of a man who chose to come out 
and lie to the American people every day offensively who just who let's not just talk about crowd size. Let's also talk about him um, talking about the Holocaust, um, saying Hitler never used chemical weapons. Um, the, the, the number of things that Sean Spicer did as press secretary that I, that are abhorrent and should cause him to be shunned from our society forever you don't get to have another job here because you chose to do this there's there's so many i'm not even going to get into it there's too many of them there's a there's a depressing number of them and yet he's here on the emmys uh everybody's laughing and there were plenty of pictures of people posing with him at the after parties he's apparently working for harvard now he's trying to get more speaking fees and trying to get on tv and this lets him do that and colbert knows that he's smart enough he knows what this does for like the ways that this helps but uh spicer and he didn't care because he thought it would be funny and it would be daring i expect so much better from stephen colbert i'm just i'm really really upset with him Uh, how did you feel about it it was deeply weird because like it's it's just like it's very just bad across the board but like watching him roll out on, like, the McCarthy, uh, Melissa McCarthy's SNL podium with the wheels and everything, and the camera making sure that, the director making sure that we've got a solid shot of McCarthy, Mm -hmm. and just going, oh, so we're going to have Sean Spicer come out, do, as you said, a very limp joke um, about ratings versus crowd size. <laughs> Cause, Oh, I, I knew I was lying the whole time, everyone. And now it's funny. And no, it's not funny. It's, Remember how it's I was innocuous... trying to gaslight the American people into not yeah. trusting the news and not yeah. trusting actual reporters and just buying the, the, the uh, somewhat totalitarian. Photographs. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, lies of, of my administration. That was so <laughs> funny guys. Funny. I was, I'm in on the joke. Yeah, it's funny now, and that's kind of where I landed on it. And it was like, you got reaction shots of like people being like surprised and laughing. But then you, they kept cutting back to McCarthy for some reason, who does not look amused at all. Yeah. And is, and for two reasons. One, probably politically, but B, also, Sean Spicer has taken her job from her. Yeah. <laughs> and that's her whole bit. And they just went, but what if we get the real one? And it's just, kind of ridiculous and this isn't like a isolated incident either for colbert at this point like yeah. he had scaramucci on um like almost immediately after he got fired and presented him with a back a front stabbing knife or he presented colbert with a front stabbing knife i don't remember but it was cute and funny and it's just like this is a guy who said really vile things about admittedly really vile people but mm-hmm. It's just, why are we doing this sort of thing, Stephen? I don't quite understand what we're doing when we're taking these folks and sort of doing image rehabilitation, basically. Yeah. And making these guys look better when we really should not be doing that in any way, shape, or form. Again, considering what they've done. Well, and what Colbert's brand is. Right. And what he you know seems to claim to be as as far as speaking truth to power and not caring what other people you know what the administration thinks he's going to be cutting and sharp and get right to the the marrow of of these issues 
that's what he claims to do. That's what he tries to do with his with his monologues. That's his brand. You don't get to yeah. have that be your brand and then turn around and do this. If you want to be Jimmy Fallon, be Jimmy Fallon. But you don't get to try to <laughs> claim that you're somewhat somehow better than him, more intellectual, more tapped in, more political and aware, and then do this. And, it, you know, the, there's also the long history buddy-buddy relationship that uh, The Daily Show had with Henry Kissinger when Jon Stewart was there. Like, this is yeah. not an isolated incident, like you said. And it's just really, really, really frustrating. Because, you know, what would have been funnier is if they had a pre-tape with Melissa McCarthy as Spicer. It would have been yeah. just as funny, if not more. And you wouldn't have had the shock but you also wouldn't have been rehabilitating the image of someone who was happy to walk out and just lie to the American people and, and work to deconstruct the meaningfulness of the press and and free speech in our country. Um, right. It's really upsetting. That was the whole point of those SNL skits. And it's just like, I feel like we all missed that and I've forgotten about it almost immediately as soon as he leaves it's just like oh don't worry we've got San we've, we've got Huckabee Sanders to deal with now and uh who's just the pits at that job and just in general comes off really terrible but it's just like oh once they leave they're okay like it sort of like washes away somehow to which I go well then I guess we're gonna have Steve Bannon on really soon to do like a pie eating contest or oh well he was on um... so- uh, was 60 minutes right right because yeah, that's apparently what we do we give more yeah. platforms to these yeah. people it's Yay. frustrating you know who had a great response though jason Ooh. isaacs did you see that one i did see jason isaacs response um it almost made me want to watch star trek discovery yeah. <laughs> well we'll have but, more yeah. on that next week yeah. um as for the rest of the awards, yeah. like tell me about the rest of the show. The rest yeah. of it was fun. It was so great to see these different people go up and win, and their speeches were over across the board really terrific. Um, uh, the like all, in many of the categories, that's not who I would have nominated. Yeah, but of the people who were nominated, pretty much everybody who won was a deserving winner. I mean, I didn't think this last season of Beep was that great, certainly compared to its previous seasons. But am I going to feel bad that does Julia Louise Dreyfus not deserve accolades for her amazing performance? No, she's amazing. She does a really terrific job. Was she the best one on TV? Was she the best one in that category this year? No. But I'm not going to feel bad about her getting an Emmy. Am I going to feel bad about the only one is like the voice? Really? The voice still at this stage? But, you know, I would have loved to see Rue get up there and get one for Drag Race. But... Like, on the scale of, like, other than those ones, it was really, no, I wouldn't give this award to this person, but, like, Anne Dowd for The Handmaid's Tale, no, but, like, I'm not going to feel bad about Anne Dowd getting an award ever. And Dowd, come yeah. on, Reed Morano, like, I have the, I had my problems with The Handmaid's Tale, but those first episodes were gorgeously directed. Like, so, so anybody who got up there and won was deserving of acclaim. And it's just so rare for that to happen that it was really, it was really uh, terrific to see, not to mention an act like the, the, the award show patting itself on its back for diversity, which it did like twice, by the way, was some BS. Cause yes, way more people of color and minorities in other ways were nominated and won this year. It was amazing. Some of the winners, but if you look at who gets hired for directors, for for writers, for different elements of production, it's still horribly biased. Like there's still like the the 
if the industry wanted to actually be representative with its hiring practices, it would, it could, and right. it would. And the fact that it's gotten an inch better does not <laughs> negate the mile it has yet to go. Um, but it was like the people who, who, you know, Donald Glover got two, Lena Waithe got one. Um, uh, who else was up there? Um, the, oh, Riz Ahmed, like, like again, the night of, no, not my favorite thing. His performance terrific you know i'm not i'm not gonna feel bad about who got these awards so it was it was a fun show it pretty much moved along uh some really good speeches and like sterling k brown i don't care about this is us but give sterling k brown more awards thumbs up and let him finish his speech but Um, you're gonna let nicole kidman finish hers yeah well she's a bigger star also she was earlier in the show so they weren't as behind then but Meh, is what I say to that. They should have. They should have <laughs> let him. And I like how he's like, I'm just gonna keep talking, and he did just keep talking. <laughs> it's like he's a. Th- I think, as I recall, he's a theater guy. <laughs> Dude can project. Right. Turn off the cameras. He's gonna keep going. Um. So on the whole, I thought it was a really uh fun award show. Uh, well done. And um, it's been a stretch of good Emmy awards the last several years. I would say. Um. Overall, well done. So, you know, again, the the leftovers should have won. The actors and the Americans should have won. But, like, everybody who won was good. So, thumbs up for that. Um, Let's take a pivot over to a very different topic and talk about the Vietnam War documentary. We've seen the first five episodes. Um, Each of these are at least an hour and a half. There's a couple that were two hours. So, it was a lot of documentaries this this week. How did these episodes work for you? Just, like, how compelling were they? But also, just structurally, as a viewing experience, has this been a satisfying week of documentary? Those are two very different questions. <laughs> yes, um, they are. Well, uh, so I'll get like the, sort of like a frustration out in that I've been tweeting about this. And I have a very small thread, but I would just like an episode that's an hour, please, for the love of God. Um, and it really it boils down to the fact that I actually think the 90 minute episodes are very tight and really compelling. But the as soon as you creep past that, I'm just like why is this two hours in a lot of like, they start to feel like a long slog almost when they're two hours. And there's at least like, I want to say two out of the three definitely were two hours this week. And it's a lot to get through. And just from a viewing experience, especially when we're doing them all in a row, one a night. And it's just like, if you just did like two a week and they were each two hours, I wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> but you're doing them all in a row. So it's just like, all right, I'm in. But it also means I don't get to watch some other stuff. And that's kind of like structurally where I'm sort of falling on that. Um, even if I do really do think that the 90 minute ones move at a very brisk clip, um, in part because there's just no room for them with what they want to say and what all they want to cover that uh, Burns and Novick don't have room to sort of sprawl a little bit or elaborate a little bit, which I think is better than sprawl is like elaborate or circle back to things like in the first few episodes, there's that following the thread of that soldier Mogi um, throughout like two episodes and is really compelling and really interesting. But then I also sort of go, what did that illustrate that you couldn't have done without that? And sort of like where I landed up is like this is really compelling human interest sort of stuff, which is really important to what this documentary series is doing. It's like vital. But I also sort of went grand scheme type of stuff. I don't know that it was necessarily important. 
in telling this narrative overall, which isn't to diminish the story itself, but just how they're presenting the story. And but the rest of it's all just really good. And like, I, if, if you remember last year when I was talking about wanting to watch more nonfiction, I was just like, I don't want to watch military history stuff because it's deeply boring to me. And this is still kind of skates the edge of that because I like a lot of the more cultural aspects of it or the more political aspects of it when we get into discussing LBJ and uh, McNamara especially gets a, ver- a, gr- a fair good bit of play especially towards the end of this week and that's all really interesting and i like the intersection of how we're discussing the peace movement and a little bit of the civil rights movement getting wrapped up into a lot of this but it's also one of those things where we just also go well we didn't really we address the mlk stuff but we didn't really dig into the mlk stuff i just kind of go that seems also really interesting, and I understand where your priorities are, which is you really want to focus on the battlefield and the soldiers who are fighting firsthand in this, or, well, not soldiers exclusively, Marines, Air Force, etc., and how how all of that plays out. But when we get into stuff like battle histories or how casualties shook out, or, and but at least provide context, they at least provide context for why casualties were significantly important for this one um i just kind of like glaze over just a little bit because it's not stuff i'm actively interested in uh but it's all really good um they must have spent a fortune on the music license <laughs> yeah right yeah. um because they get really good songs and there's like um it's river sticks i think or it's river sticks resolve where it's basically just all simon and garfunkel all the time and with a really expert use of uh, Hello Darkness, my old friend, for the closing, where it's just like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do any photos this time. We're just going to do black on white. And it's just like, oh, yeah, smart. I see what you guys are doing, and I like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm still really enjoying is not the correct term, but I'm still really compelled by the story that um, Burns and Novick are telling through this. And it's something that I don't, like, actively know a lot about. Like, I know a fair bit about, like, the political stuff here stateside. But some of the more Vietnamese history and social aspects, I just have a very cursory knowledge of, basically from watching Apocalypse Now. And so having that sort of aspect of it is really interesting for me. Um, So how are you feeling about Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam War the documentary um, <laughs> Vietnam Wars proudly brought to you by probably support supported by all these people and I giggle every time even though I shouldn't but just the phrasing of that is amazing uh, so, but how are you fe- yeah how are you feeling about this uh yeah I think it's really compelling and I agree that sometimes what I find with the longer ones sometimes is that I and maybe this is just me and how I'm watching it maybe I need to be just sitting down and not doing anything else like not eating not anything else while i'm watching but at a certain point i have trouble connecting things together and some of the different battles and the different um locations and so they kind of jumble together in my mind i have trouble keeping track so i don't know how much of that is me thing and how much of that is the structure uh, you know and some of the approach that they have but um i will say that i think they're doing a terrific job of balancing um, the interviews with people um, of, in Vietnam, North Vietnam, North Vietnamese Army and Viet Cong, and also the civilians up there, as well as the South uh, South Vietnamese and um, Saigon. 
and people from Saigon with the Americans, with the Marines and the other soldiers, um, from people who are civilians and also army members over there, army Marines, all the air force, everybody with the people who are back at home too. Like the way that they're balancing that I think is actually very well handled. Um, and I appreciate, I so appreciate using subtitles and not dubbing over the the Vietnamese uh, interviewees who speak in Vietnamese and not in English. Um, the respect of that is something I really appreciate. Uh, the the narratives that they're building are incredibly compelling. Certainly, like on, on the few occasions where they've had so far somebody who was on the North Vietnamese side and somebody who was on the American side of the same battle or the same like in the same geographic area at the same time is incredibly compelling and that's the kind of thing that i don't think i ever expected to really see in a documentary certainly not an american documentary so um it's it's very well done you mentioned the music the music uh and and the scoring also by trent reznor and i believe somebody else i believe there's a collaborator yeah has been terrific um the the voiceover i think has been well done uh the peter coyote yeah Yeah. and the 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 scale of it Going like starting with the colonial um, time frame, but doing that kind of quickly as backstory to when the Americans got involved, I thought was smart. Um, and then there's they're so long, <laughs> there's two hour things covering two years, but they do have content for that whole yeah. time. Like there's so much, and like you said, there's other things they're not even really getting into yet. Maybe they will in the next week's episodes, but it is. The I think it's the right approach for something this intense and complicated and with such long-reaching effects. Um, right. So I think this approach, and when I mean, you, see, you see that it took them 10 years to make this, like, I get it. it makes yeah. sense. Uh, also, the, the very clear parallels to other American wars since Vietnam are right there. They're very clear, but they don't go there and i appreciate that they let the they let the the listener and the viewer um make those connections themselves uh and it's just to, to it's so infuriating to hear people who were living in vietnam through the vietnam war say stuff like yeah it's great when you're here and then you leave and as soon as you leave this other group comes and takes this the city back and we get punished for helping you. We get killed. We get assaulted. We get all of our property taken. Like the fact that, we, that the, the, the generals and the, the military advisors of the interview seem to have such a clear perspective on so many of the ways that the Americans went about this all wrong. And yet you hear the exact same mistakes that we've made in in some of the wars since. I don't know enough about to speak with any authority, but just familiar threads. It's it's so frustrating to see that. It's like we didn't know at the time, but now we do. It's like, okay, but then why are we still making these same mistakes? And it's because it's complicated and it's hard and there aren't easy answers. Um, I'm really, again, like you said, enjoying is the wrong word, but I'm really glad that I'm staking out the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be watching it after, you know, like I'm sitting down and watching two hours of Vietnam documentary every day. (laughs) Clearly, it's compelling or we wouldn't still be doing it. Um, My only thing I'm looking for in the next, you know, like as, as I think it's done next week, right? 
Yeah, it's uh, ten. It's ten episodes, eighteen hours. Okay, I'm I'm hoping that we get a solid full episode uh, looking at post-war. Right. I just that's my only thing is I want to. I'm really hoping that we get enough time spent to immediate and then longer term fallout, um, both for America, which we're going to be more familiar with, but also for Vietnam. I know nothing about that. So I'm really hoping we get some quality time or some like significant chunk of time spent on that. Uh, do you have any hopes for the next week? No, I was similarly hoping for uh, post-war, especially for Vietnam, um, because the after effects of Vietnam within the States are pretty clear on a variety of levels, um, mm-hmm. just not militarily, but like coupled with Watergate. Um, that a uh, longer exploration of like how Vietnam is functioning now is useful, but also like there are like there have been a couple of interviews where like the um, the folks in Vietnam have sort of acknowledged like this, the situation a little bit currently is how that has been influenced by what happened here, but they haven't like dived into it. And I think that that's something that hopefully this through their interviews and through compiling and editing and putting this together, they real uh, they realized as a thread to go to, because I mean, there's still plenty of stuff to dig in in a post-war period that, I mean, they're still setting up even like right now as we're in like 1967, I want to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And that it's just like they're starting to get information about like the anti-war uh, movement overseas now and how that's playing out. And I mean, you, you know, Eugene McCarthy just came out and announced his candidacy. So like we're, we're ramping up in a, mm-hmm. from a historical standpoint in a way that um, all of this has sort of weirdly been table setting for a much, much more, a much bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have more to say, I'm sure, next week with the the rest of this documentary. And yeah, let us yeah. know, listeners, if you have any thoughts on it, too, because I hope people are watching. I don't know if people are watching it. I hope people are watching it. Yeah. And it's also something that, like, maybe you're spacing it out. Yeah, understandably. <laughs> uh, which is understandable. But, like, to your point about, like, watching it all at once, I, th- I will say that one thing about doing it, like, all in a row is that, like, all those threads that you mentioned about maybe not necessarily keeping straight is it benefits from doing it all in a row because yeah. there are like some things that you just could drop really quickly memory wise if this was like every week or like two a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so like as much as I gripe, um, <laughs> it's useful. Yeah, no, it definitely it, like the and some of the repetition is very yeah powerful. Um, yeah. when you watch it like that. If you watch it week to week, it would be like, oh yeah, that's right, that was a thing. But when you watch it each day, it just, you know, like the like the thing that they talk about of the only statistic they the, were really ca- caring about was the number of dead, you know, enemies. And so how that makes everyone who's dead all of a sudden becomes an enemy because it makes you look better. Um the way that that is reiterated in almost every episode, because there's another reason for it to come up. It it just makes it all the more powerful and really adds to like helping the viewer understand just how significant that is. Um, the repetition is, yeah, I think so. Like the, like you said, the viewing one a day, it's a lot, but there is definitely a benefit to it. Um, our next show is the sinner, which has finale. Um, I just mentioned, I'm mentioning it cause I watched it, but, um, 
I thought that they the resolution they gave the answers the why because it was a why done it um worked uh it was a little underwhelming but it worked enough and um they t- they tidy everything up really quickly at the end they have her remember all but like one issue and at the very end until the last episode like they, the way they paced it mostly worked but um they wanted to save the big trauma for the second to last episode which means that they had to then do everything that came after that which is almost the bigger mystery in one episode which was also the finale which also wraps everything up so like it just kind of comes together a bit um, too fast yeah. a bit too fast and overly tidily um the judge at the end like she's been sentenced to 30 years and then we get our last memory jog thing and somebody confesses something way too easily because it's tv and then the judge goes oh well now that we have this new information never mind i'm just gonna change it from the murder in the third to manslaughter one and well you're not even gonna go to jail you're just gonna go to a psych ward and then eventually and as soon as we get can get you rubber stamp that you're not gonna hurt anybody you're gonna be out with your family like that's not that's absurd and yeah. i know they wanted like a happyish ending but like Make the happy ending be that she knows what happened to her. Yeah. Make it be that, you know, like, she knows she didn't just kill somebody for no reason. Like, that it was a response, you know, like, that she couldn't control due to all these other things that had happened to her over her life. Like, trying to, like, I don't even understand. Like, the notion that there's going to be a season two of this is so stupid. <laughs> like, 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 do your event series. Like, the, I can't see how they bring Jessica Biel back. They've tied right. everything up. So if they want to bring back the least interesting part of the show, which was our detective, for a different mystery, that's how they could do a second season. But nobody cares about that character. Um, I thought the start of the season was more compelling than the end of the season. Um, but, I mean, all things... I mean, I did keep watching it, I guess. Um, yeah. Glad. Uh, is it Jacob Pitt? Yeah. Um, got a fun role to chew on and like seriously it's it's a very it's a big performance but it's appropriate for this kind of character i think um so even if it didn't quite stick the landing i thought it was fine certainly for summer viewing but nowhere near as compelling as our last show on our week in tv and that's halt and catch fire nowhere man of course the only person who truly gets cameron is donna donna i know why are mommy and mommy still fighting yeah uh <laughs> No, I, 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 we're, we're joking about, like, sniffling, but, like, as soon as Donna found that ladder and yeah. started climbing, I just went, oh, I, I'm getting a little teary just thinking about it. Kate is, like, <laughs> how sort of, like, a weird sort of punch that ended up being that I did not expect. But it's just, like, just watching Donna sort of go click, click, and go, this isn't right. There's something. And then just go, what if I go up? And it's just like, oh, she gets it. She mm-hmm. understands they they are simpatico, mm-hmm. simpatica rather, and it's just like oh, but I, I want this, I want this back. Um, so is sort of where I ended apart from Gordon burning all his notebooks and his self affirmation stuff and going, okay, I'm not quite sure what's happening there. How did you read that exact? How did you read? How did that read for you? I don't know, and I'm worried because it seemed like things were going well, and so I don't feel like this is going to be a breakthrough to an even more well thing right. for him. I, I think we can agree that it's bad. <laughs> don't mess things up with Anna Klumsky. 
She does roller derby. That's so much cooler than swing dancing. And this is from someone who actually does enjoy swing dancing. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I like how very kind of quickly Katie's been established in that, like, dynamic. Even if it's also sort of frustrating for Haley, who's not happy about that. Um, but also, like, on, like, multiple levels of, like, oh, she's sleeping with my dad. Oh, she's getting really along with, long, long really well with Joni. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not that great anymore anyway. No. Type of thing is like how a lot of that played for me. And I really liked it as like story beats, but it also like made me sad for Haley, who I deeply adore. <laughs> um, uh, how, how did you feel about like all the stuff that was going on with like, all right, so here's the thing, Kate. I was really into Donna just slicing Boz and Sa- Cecil, just like a death by a thousand cuts of like, oh no, you, can, you guys can just talk to her lawyers and lay it out for them and then we can patent this and it'll be great mm-hmm. and it'll be fine. And then I was just like, I'm here for this because Don is just on a very subtle passive aggressive warpath and Carrie Bechet is killing it. And then I take it all back. I take it all back, Kate. Yeah. Boz, Boz had a heart attack and I take it all back. Yeah, Boz needs to be okay. Um, But I do like the way that this pushes all the secrets out to the open with the big exception of, uh, I know we do by the end of the episode, Cam has told, has told Joe. So yeah, all the secrets are out and uh, except I guess Boz uh, or no one has told Diane about Boz losing all his money. But other than that, everybody knows everything um, or will soon learn everything. And that is exactly what we need. We're at the halfway point of the season, of the last season. Now we get to see what comes next. And uh, the way that they have structured and paced this has been terrific. Uh, we were theorizing if we were going to get Tom again. And we did. But- and just the right amount for just the right mm-hmm. reasons. Yep. I thought that that worked really nicely. I like. Now, I was reading this. I want to say it was at, um, it was a Dennis who's reviewing this over a friend of the show, Dennis Perkins, who's reviewing this over at the AV Club. I want to say I read this in his review. Um, I might, the idea that in the game, when you go the wrong way, it adds the, that debris to the screen. Mm-hmm. And so you can only climb up the ladder after you've made mistakes and gone the wrong way. So you have, if you, when you start out, you can't climb the ladder yet because you haven't had these other experiences. You haven't made these mistakes that have left you with this floating debris in your life, which then you can create and turn into a ladder. That's a beautiful, beautiful, if that's what it is, and I'm understanding it correct, the game correctly. um, That is gorgeous. And I love it. And it feels like exactly a cam thing. Right. So, and, and exactly the kind of thing that the average gamer is not going to get at all, other than, like, why is this on the screen? This should be on the screen only for a reason, because it takes time and money to make it be on the screen. Um, which is sort of, I think, how Donna figures it out. But um, I loved that. I loved that we got the game back. We got the game back in this way. Um, now, do you think that was the end of the game? Or do you think there's more to come? See, that's the thing. Like, I immediately texted my friend Danielle after I finished the episode because she had finished it like an hour before I did. So she was just like, just let me know. And I just went, okay. And I was like, I I immediately was just like, I need to know the significance of the cabin and the snow because I don't know how to read that. (laughs) Well, this idea of a warm home. Okay. That's what I see. As opposed to an open space, which is where it's always been, just like this nature, but... 
but out completely isolated. And then there's a cabin with a light on, which implies there's someone else inside of it. Um, right. That's that's what I took from it. I like that. And it like sort of mirrors like how she's attempting to live in the middle of nowhere in her airstream yeah. and build a home there. That is no one else wants to live in. <laughs> yeah. It's too, I'm too damn tall. Because <laughs> uh, Lee Pace is a very tall He's man. very tall. That was a good line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I like your reading on that a lot. Um, but it the, it might indeed be the end of the game because if that is like how you're reading it, in particularly like there's not really much else you can do once you're home, mm-hmm. at least within the confines of like this sort of a game. Yeah, yeah. I think the question is if how long it takes to get to that point where everybody gets stuck at. If that's yeah. like right before the end, then I think it works. And if that's, but that's, if that's earlier in the game, we haven't actually seen any of the gameplay up to that point. So, or it's also like to your point about like making mistakes creates that debris or Dennis's point about like making yeah. mistakes creates that debris. As soon as you make a mistake. Yeah. It's possible that that debris yeah. field starts to like form in some yeah. way. So yeah. the degree to which you end up respawning and everything is significant. But this is also just why I wish Halt and Catch Fire was a massive success. So this would be released as an actual playable game for all of us to enjoy. Yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, any other thoughts or queries about this episode? No, I'm all set. Yeah, it's it's <sighs> poor Boz. Uh, and like, like we don't like a mommy and mommy fight, but we also don't like it when mommy and Boz fight <laughs> or a Boz and other mommy, <laughs> like yes. whoever it is. Boz like is fighting with everyone, but Joe. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the fact that Joe and Boz have like nothing to do with one another since that makes sense. Yeah, indeed. Um, so we'll see what happens next, but lovely episode uh, here at the midpoint of season four. Following, like it's such a strong season four for them. Yeah. Um, what wins your week in reality, genre and drama? I'm going to give it to Halt and Catch Fire, I think. Um, mm-hmm. With the full expectation being that Vietnam will get it wherever we put it next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'll give it to uh, Halt and Catch Fire this week. Uh, what about you? What won your week? Well, I want to throw some love to Big Little Eyes, which I finally watched last week. I was compelled by all the... There was quite a bit of buzz going into the Emmys about how it was going to win so many things. And it totally deserves to win all of them because it's amazing. I was like... Where were all you people saying this when it was on the air? I feel like there were a number of people in my feed saying this. At the time? Yeah, at the time. Oh, okay. Because yeah. uh, I saw, like, a handful of people being like, it's really good. And have a handful of people going, like, rich white people problems. We don't care. Um, and so I watched it. And it's terrific. And it's really, is real good. Um, so it's a strong, strong contender. It's got one of the, like, the power for me, the power of the Good Place season one finale dramatically big little eyes has that in its finale that's how good that finale is um or or how well played and and thoughtfully written and specifically written trusting their actors and not writing dialogue uh and just trusting them to do stuff with a look and with the editing uh terrific so that's a strong contender um i guess i'll give it though to the vietnam war um this this week and we'll see if maybe we'll trade next week but uh yeah. Hold and catch fire was also terrific and big little lies was really really good so a lot of strong stuff this week uh now we'll take a break and come back with our our resolutions check-in for 2017 looking at the latest batch of anime null that you've been checking out and looking at edgar Allan poe's murder mystery dinner party which is my latest uh youtube series so we'll be right back after this
Welcome, friend, to Edgar Allan Poe's murder mystery invite-only casual dinner party slash gala for friends potluck. Sorry we're late. When will someone be murdered? Look here, before this night goes on, I have something to say. Fine, then the murder mystery is underway. Please, a grave and sinister act has been committed here this evening. Yeah. Louisa May's dress. <laughs> I mean to fetch an inspector. Oh, good evening. A toast to envy this horrible man. No, 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 no. This was uh, supposed to be a, a... A... Lenore? A good time? A good time! Gathering these brilliant minds in literature, <laughs> something was bound to happen. Don't do murder. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calls joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, it's time once again for another resolution check-in. Remember at the start of the year when I was like, let's check in like once a month. It didn't occur to me that that was every four episodes. That's that's very frequently. So it's been a while yeah. since we did one of these, but it feels appropriate um, that we that we check in again. So Noel, we're uh, like at the, towards the end of another quarter. Yes, as I understand it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like my anime season wrapped up, so we're we're about to enter the last season of this of the year. So okay, so uh, let's let's start with how did the um, anime uh, series that you were talking about last time f- wind out their seasons? Were you because you were watching Sakura Quest, you were watching the um, Fastest Fingers, the Quiz Bowl one that I so strongly yeah. identified with via proxy, right. uh, proxy, um, and then the like the Classroom of the Elite. So how did those right. wind up for you? Were you were you glad with the, you know, did your projected enjoyment of those series pan out? Well, Cyber Request has been running since uh, the spring. So mm-hmm. they, they did a full 26, uh, 25, 26. And it was, it was really good, Kate. I, re- <laughs> I really think people should check this one out. Um, even if it wasn't like top tier sort of stuff, I feel like it's going to be in my top 20 just because of how happy it made me throughout like the past, like, uh, like, to 26 weeks awesome. of just like really fun easy going this is how we're going to revitalize this town this is what this means we're going to find out more about the history of the town and understand like what our town's ethos was it was like what the second half of the season ended up being and i was just like this is a really good show it's a really fun show it's really low on things that kind of annoy me like um gratuitous like uh sex or like objectification it's just a really low-key fun little show about saving this small town and the trials and tribulations therein and yeah it was just it's very cute and it's very sweet and it made me very very happy um so yes go watch sucker request uh you can actually watch the dub over at funimation now um they're like a couple of like weeks behind um but it just finished up on Crunchyroll this week so it's 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 a really good show and it's very funny and yeah no I, I it made me very very happy it's like the the only thing I can really say about it is that it made me very happy and I just I'm going to, I'm sad that there's not going to be any more of it um so is it that, definitely not going to get like another season or something or series no based on where it wrapped up there's not really any sense for them to come back um for another run 
because uh, everyone sort of goes their separate ways because they've learned important things about themselves, what they want out of life. So coming back just would seem really manufactured. So I don't want them to come back because it's just <laughs> like it's, it, it's also perfectly wrapped up. So I don't want I don't want anyone to come back. Okay. Um, yeah. So the quiz bowl, which is uh, fastest finger first. Um, I really struggled with uh, getting through the, all 13 of this. Um, a large part of it just boiled down to the fact that the characters really haven't been super well established. And because of that, I just didn't care when they went to like their first big quiz meet. And there was like, how do we figure out these questions? And there's some strategy about, well, if you answer a question correctly and you're the only one who answers correctly, you get three points, but you also get to subtract. You also can subtract X, at least two points from someone else and only take one point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, strategy involved in that, but it, and then there's like this little impish kid who's like trying to disrupt the system and like have too much fun by like, what if is the, in this paired system? I just put both buzzers down when I want to ring in, so we both ring in at the same time, exploiting a loophole in this system. And it just went, oh, I mean, I see what you're doing, kid, but none of this is interesting enough. <laughs> to justify these shenanigans and I don't care about any of the characters. And that was like sort of the big problem is that I just didn't care about anyone. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really put in the time for me to care about anyone. I felt like before we dived into this big, um, dived into this big meat and I juxtaposed it and I can use this as like a frame of reference since you watched it is like Chia Furu does like seven, eight episodes of here's all our characters. Here's why you're going to care about them. The degree to which you care is like your mileage may vary, but at least like there's groundwork and those kind of flaws and personality quirks also get drawn out through the competition that ends up happening that yeah. when, at their first meet. And that doesn't happen in Fastest Finger First. No like personality traits really come through or change. And so it's just like it's very flat. And so I quickly removed it from my country roll queue because I was just like, I don't. I don't even care if there's another season coming anytime soon because I don't want to see it. Ouch. So, yeah, fair enough. That uh, really solves that. What about, uh, was it Clean Freak? Yeah, Clean Freak Ayomokun was the um, gag anime about the OCD soccer player um, mm-hmm. that I thought was just going to be really, I thought was going to end up being what Fastest Finger First was, uh, wasn't ended up being, which was just really flat one note. And instead of focusing on him, Ayomakun, and his uh, desire to be clean all the time, it looked at like individual students each week and sort of how Ayoma's presence within the school changed them in some way. And so we got different views of like um, other other players on the soccer team. We got other students who aren't on the soccer team. Uh, including like a guy who's a secret manga writer who is inspired by Yomakun to make him a villain, but the villain becomes more popular than the hero, and he gets really frustrated and angry about that. And just sort so all this sort of stuff of like these are how he's his presence ripples out across the school. So I really like that, and it allowed the show to like mine different types of jokes and different sort of material for jokes, as opposed to just being ah oh, he's so clean and our soccer players can't deal. With with that which is sort of what i was worried it was going to be when we last checked in so yeah no that ended up really surprising me and i was i was i was pretty pleased uh with how that did it didn't like kind of like emotionally hit me in any way shape or form but it was solid and i looked forward to it every sunday when i sat down to watch it 
And I appreciated that Ayoma's Kuhn, who's like this killer soccer player and could be playing for any basically upper echelon private school in Japan. He picked this little podunk high school because they have white uniforms. And it's just, <laughs> it's so lovely. And we find that at the end, like that's the season cappers that he yeah. just reveals that, oh, you guys have white uniforms. That's why I came to play here. And it's just went, yay. <laughs> it's so perfect. But no, it's really good. It's really good. And it's, it's fun. It's funny. And it's, it's a little more charming than I was anticipating it was going to be. So that was really like the sort of like the surprise for me of the ones I picked um, to watch this season. Okay. Well, now are there any new ones that uh, we didn't get last time? Well, I, I only had like an episode of Classroom of the Elite um, when we checked in last time. And Oh, this this did not end up being what I was hoping it was going to be, Kate. Um, uh, when I was all excited about, we're going to interrogate the hierarchy, and we're going to really dig into philosophy, that did not happen. And instead, I've been treated to gratuitous amounts of fan service that I uh, do not need. And, uh, I mean, there's some sort of interrogation of, like, the high school genre happening in this. Mm-hmm. But it's also just laden down with massive amounts of fan service. And while I am, like, I think they only have one episode left, so I'm going to finish but it's just like, oh, this has not been what I was hoping for, and I do not like this very much. So, blah. Was like where I've ended up with this, because it was just like, there's an entire episode about the boys trying to install cameras in the girls' locker room mm. on, like, a summer vacation. Yes, the groan is appropriate. And all this is happening while there's a big sort of summer vacation volleyball tournament happening. So you can see where all of this is going. And it's just, it's gratuitous, it's heavy-handed, and it's its just boring. So I've, I've been really disappointed with this, and all, of like, the gestures towards hierarchy and class warfare are just, like, have been really stripped away, much like many of the girls' clothes. Um, so, yeah, not a winner. But I picked up two other shows that aired earlier this year in the process of, like, of us not having a lot to watch. So I picked up a rugby anime called All Out, <laughs> um, which is perfectly cute. It's very fine. Uh, characters are good uh, for the most part. Um, and the rugby sequences are generally decently animated. But it's very standard sports anime. But I just enjoyed a, it being about something I wasn't like intimately familiar with, uh, which is rugby. Um, and sort of like a recontextualization of what I think rugby is about. Uh, so that was fun, sweet, uh, but the standout, and I kind of wish I had watched this all in its entirety before I made you watch Sailor Moon, because otherwise I would have made you watch this. Okay. Because you would have <laughs> liked this, I think. Okay. Is This is uh, Showa Genroku Ragu Shinju, uh, which is basically, all it deals with is these uh, art form in Japan, which is just these people memorize like a hundred something stories and then just perform them. They're they're professional storytellers and the stories are told with minimal props. In fact, most they get is like a cloth and a folding fan. And then they have to do voices and denote different characters through voices, but also through like looking in a different direction when another character is speaking so that you know who's speaking. And so that's like the art form of this. And it's slowly dying out because, you know, there's massive amounts of new entertainment about. 
But what ends up happening is like the first season, which aired last year, is all about this master who takes on an apprentice who's fresh out of prison and is desperate to become one of these storytellers. And then we spend basically 20 years of this man's life from right before World War II up into the 50s. Uh, finding out how he masters craft, his relationship with his best friend, who's also a storyteller, and naturally this uh, woman who's like in between all of this and circulating around. And it's just really powerful emotional stuff. It's really, really good. And some of the episodes are basically just entirely devoted to one person telling one of these stories in front of an audience. So it's very driven by the vocal performance and which is something I don't always have to pay attention to when I'm watching anime because a lot of the vocal performances sort of feel samey sometimes, in part because I can't pick up on inflections as well as like someone who speaks Japanese. But in this, there's just so much vocal work required that you can't not help but pay attention to it. So the second season, which aired this year and is shortlist for my top 20, definitely, is deals with how the prison, the uh, ex-con, starts to rise up in the ranks and how he navigates what his own style of storytelling is and how he's going to tell these stories, but also how he's going to maybe save the art form and how that looks and how his master feels about that and how his master's, like, not... Basically, his master wants this art form to die with him because he's basically the last master of this. There's a couple of folks coming up, but he's basically it. And he wants it to die with him. And there's all this really terrific tension that's built in from the first season that's carrying over in the second season. And it's just really compelling human drama about this very – about the human experience in a lot of ways because it's about storytelling. And – it's deeply affecting. I, I cried multiple times watching this. And just the interactions between the characters and the A, watching the main master age was just really impressive, both like from an animation standpoint, but also from just a vocal standpoint. So I can't recommend this enough. It's on Crunchyroll. It's really, really good. It's really just, it's gorgeous. And it has amazing opening theme numbers. Cause like last week when, um, uh, Miles McNutt did something about Netflix and, uh, openings and title sequences, the, the um, opening sequences for descending stories are just incredible. Um, they feel Bond-esque in the old school sort of way, which is not what you would expect for a show like this, but they're jazzy and rife with uh, symbolism and it, they're just, it's just a really good series and I don't want to give anything away because I want people to watch it because part of it is just the emotional experience of watching it and I was really glad I was able to carve out time for this because I thought all of it aired last year but I was so glad that 13 episodes aired starting in this past January so it's just like yay I get to talk about the show at the end of the year and I'm going to be very happy <laughs> <laughs> well good good yeah. now if I between that one and Sucker Quest which should I check out first um, that one. I definitely should check out Rakugo uh, first. And I'm butchering that pronunciation, and I apologize. Um, Rakugo, I think, is correct. Um, but that is the one you should check out first. It's And it's the one I sent you a link to, um, mm -hmm. half, like, towards the end of the second installment. But I would definitely recommend that you tr try this one out first. Okay. 
Great. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear about some of the other ones. I was, yeah. I was very excited for them to hopefully be good. So I'm, yeah. you know, it's too bad. But at least, you know, you've discovered the, this, this series. I'll, I'll have to check it out. Um, completely unrelated, but tangentially connected right. is I did finally see Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, uh, how was it? I still haven't watched it for some reason. Oh, it's amazing, and it's on Netflix. Watch right. it. Right, I know. I just, I just, every time I look at it, I just go, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm in the mood right now, and I, I haven't watched it yet. But I've, I'm so, I've heard nothing but amazing things about it, so I desperately want to watch it. I'm just like, I have to be like in the right space, I think, for some reason, and I just maybe just need to watch it and get it out. You just need to watch <laughs> it. You just, just watch it. After we finish recording tonight, it's it's not that long either. It's like ninety minutes. Right, so. no, it's super short. Yeah, um, uh, but because the, there's storytelling via origami in that one, right, so that's right. why the connection no, I'm making there. Um, it's fine. Um, so <laughs> tell me, like you you wanted to watch more web series. Um, so what did you watch for our check in? For a second, for, so for this one, I I was I did some searching around for different things, and I have a couple of ones queued up for our next check in that I'm I'm. Uh, I'm very curious about, uh, but they seemed a little heavier, so I wanted something a little lighter this time. Sure. And I went with Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, or to to get to give the full title, Edgar Allan Poe's Mur- uh, Murder Mystery Invite Only Casual Dinner Party Slash Gala for Friends Potluck. Um, and I think just about everything you need to know about the show is you know something you can infer from that title. Uh, so this is. Uh, the idea is that Edgar Allan Poe has invited over a slew of different famous authors and writers to have a murder mystery dinner party um, with him him and his, his ghost, Lenore, um, you know, of the Lenore. famous poem Lenore and the Raven and all that, um, as an excuse to get to spend time with Annabelle Lee, the only uh, other non-author there because because he has a crush on her um and uh but she's dating a guy so she needs a reason to hang out um this and then then what starts as a planned murder mystery dinner becomes an actual murder mystery as people get killed off one by one trying to figure out uh you know what happened and who did it and all that good stuff now this format like like for the web series like 10 11 minute long episode format which is what this is um i think that actually is a really good setup, a really good, really good premise for that. Uh, you know, if you're doing a murder mystery like that in the vein of something like Clue, you're going to have a lot of cliffhangers and you start with a group of like 10 people and you can have one get killed off each episode. Like the structure kind of, you know, it, it's right there for you. Um, this is not executed as well as I would have liked. Um, the the decisions like of which writers to include, I thought were fun. You have Charlotte Bronte, who's basically an old timey bitch, which is fun. Uh, Oscar Wilde, Ernest Hemingway. They go a little heavy with Hemingway, but he's such a fun persona that I'm 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 cool with it. H.G. Uh, Wells is just weird. Everyone keeps forgetting that Emily Dickinson is there. <laughs> Um, there's Dostoevsky, Mary Shelley, Lucy May Alcott, uh, and they also have George Eliot, and that was one of the characterizations I was iffy about, because the, so for each of the, these famous writers have very distinct personas, right? Emily Dickinson was a shut-in for most of her life. Uh, Oscar Wilde was incredibly flamboyant, um, to the point where he 
was basically killed for being gay. Um, Ernest Hemingway was so obsessed with the man's man bravado and like short, short sentence structure and you know, all that stuff and being a man's man and punching lions in the face and etc. Um, so like the, there's a strong personalities there's a lot that you can do to make them a character caricature and have fun in this you know vein of like a spoof kind of thing with george elliott they just boil her down to she's trying she's pretending to be a man and everybody knows she's a woman but she's got like a fake mustache on and that's like that's the joke to keep going to for for her but george elliott wrote under a pen name so that her writing would not have the baggage that came with being a female author. But first of all, she was British, not American. So I don't know why some of the British authors have British accents and others don't. Um, and second of all, um, she was married and like lived as a woman. She wasn't trans or something. She, she didn't present in society as male ever. So why this? And I mean, I guess it's better than if she was that type, type, one of those historical figures who lived their life as a man. And then, then upon their death, people found out they were a woman because it'd be really offensive that the, this is the, the strain of comedy. So at least it's not that, but it just, it's a, the bit is funny, but it doesn't actually say anything about Elliot as a writer and uh, Elliot's style. So like, it doesn't really, that I was very confused by that. Like there was fun stuff with Louise May Alcott and with like these different figures, but the ones that were the most f fully fleshed out, or the ones that were the strongest personalities, were the ones who were going to be alive the longest, and the ones that the writers were less familiar with or thought that the audience would be less familiar with get killed off earlier on. Um, and so that was just a little. I thought that was a little strange to me. Um, the overall. Like the the who done it result is fun enough. Uh, the show is eleven episodes long, which is again a good length. But just this never quite rises to the level I would like it to. Uh, there, it's not consistent enough with its internal logic. There's not like you don't ever like the the reason that we're having this dinner party or what were the plans for this dinner party. Like they don't establish their rules well enough for me so that we can have as much fun with it. Um, it's very much a, just come along with us. We'll have a laugh and don't think, think too hard. But I think it would have been better if they had had more of like, they want you to have actual reactions to this, but they also don't want you to think about other elements of it. And if, the, if you're asking us to buy into the emotion, that's one thing. If you want us to just ignore that and just wacky jokes and like the most over the top Oscar Wilde, you've ever seen in your entire life. Like you could do either one of those. I think they try to toe the line a little bit too much and it could have used maybe some editing. Um, but for a, Hey, let's get the gang together and have another fun adventure. Like there's several cast members from um, the Lizzie Bennett diaries that are in this and they do a good job and it's fun to see them again. I have such a fond place for <laughs> in my heart for super awkward Edgar Allan Poe, just like as the central figure. I think that works really well. Um, so I actually ended up having quite a bit of fun with it, but it just w was not as good as I think the premise is. And so that's why it's a little disappointing. Um, what, what did you think? Like, this is the kind of thing that it works well for like the 11 minute length and also, but I would much rather see this live. I feel like this would be way more fun live. 
Uh, now, have you had a chance? Have you heard of this one? Have you had a chance to see this one? Uh, I hadn't heard of it, but I, when you put it in the notes, I was just like, oh, I can. I have time to carve out to like try this out. And so I've done like the first. I want to say four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't like a. I liked. Like, I, I agree with everything you've said in that it's just, it could be a lot funnier. The stuff, it, the, the establishment of why we're all here is sort of meh. And, mm-hmm. But I also agree with the fact that this is probably something that would play better live at, like, dinner theater sort of, like, kind of approach. And I feel like there's a lot of that kind of thing going on here, is that this feels very, very much like a long sketch that is funny in places, but isn't tight enough to be really, really funny. And it benefits from being in 10, 11 minute chunks where mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, well I can just do another one or I can stop and come back later. And I'm, I feel, I feel satisfied either way. And that's good. Um, and I think your point about like the writer's personalities is really on point, but I was also just really frustrated that it was just like, we have these sorts of personalities, but then we just kind of go, we, we turn H.G. Wells into the dweeb, and I just go, you're going to turn the free love socialist into a dweeb? Yeah. You guys have missed an opportunity here for something really cool to play against Hemingway, quite yeah. frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, that was a weird, that, that was a choice of like going like, well, we just know him as a science fiction writer as opposed to doing a little bit of research yeah, to like actually enhance the humor. Or, or trust your audience to, to do this. Because so, I, I, I would say that there's, with some of them, there's more of a sense. And I, there are some deep cut references, actually, that they don't bother to explain, which is nice. Yeah. But with others, they, they didn't so much go with the actual writer so much as the popular perception or persona of right. that writer currently. Which yeah. isn't, you know. And the other, the other issue is that Lenore and Annabelle Lee, if those are going to be your two literary characters as opposed to authors or writers they need to be more interesting yeah much more interesting and they there's I, apparently this is like a spinoff of a different show web series uh the telltale something the telltale okay. tale or something like that um but um with with i think that one has this poe and lenore in it okay um, so that would explain why they are the center of it also it was written by the actors who play those two characters but um right. But yeah, I think like they should have could have been a lot more in- interesting or, or challenging, and certainly like yeah, I had forgotten that about Wells. That's what an opportunity to then yeah just not do. Yeah, no, I kept thinking that through the entire thing, and I just went, God, you could just have a big like man romantic trade off thing with Hemingway since he's constantly flirting with everyone, but he's also very verbose. And I just kept going, Are you sure you guys didn't want to do Faulkner? Because I feel like you wanted to do Faulkner here. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I love the idea of Hemingway as a man obsessed with uh, brevity and and getting to the point who also can't stop going on about himself. Like that's that's, that's that true. does feel appropriate. Like like yeah. it's like, oh that's the best writing. But oh, yeah. in realsies, no, I'm not going to shut up about myself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like also, I said, Spanish sunsets, everyone, so good, so good. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I I did enjoy this one. It it went by really easily. I watched it like all yeah. in a row. And sure. um, if you've got like if you've got a a day you're looking for something fun and and nerdy to watch, like have you know enjoy. If you like the cast of some of these different web series, like the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, you want to see them in this. 
go for it. Jim Jim uh, O'Hare shows up for like no reason as a constable. Oh, delightful! Yeah, <laughs> for four episodes, but um, yeah, that's in the in the sag, like in the middle where that doesn't make sense for them to not get. Like you just have to buy in a bit too much on why aren't they getting help and yeah, if they had gone creepier with Poe, it would have made yeah. more sense why he wasn't willing to have the cops come in, but he's also your protagonist. So they didn't want to do you know, like there's some things here that don't quite work as well as, as maybe they could have. But on the whole, for a fun thing, I mean this was a Kickstarter. I'm sure people who donated were very happy with what they got. It it's a fun light you know, 11 episodes at 10 minutes each. So, you know, a couple hours there. But, uh, yeah, it's just with the title, like, Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, I feel like in my head that, ooh, that's, I'm going to love that. That's Wheelhouse Kate, right? It's, like, perfect. And then you see the longer title, and I'm like, oh, that thinks it's funnier than it is and is trying too hard and... I don't actually believe Edgar Allan Poe would have a potluck where other people brought the food to know. So, okay. There are also a, a few fun, like, shorts that the, the series had um, with other writers. Um, so there's one with Twain and one with uh, Emerson okay. and, uh, like, responding to, like, RCPs and stuff about whether they were going to come and, well, mm-hmm. well if Walt Emerson wants to come, but Poe hates him, so he's not invited. Uh, so, like, those are pretty fun uh, extra features as well, like added bonus things. But, um, yeah, it, it it's 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 probably it's one of the lower. If I were to rank all, all the ones I've watched this year, this one is on the lower end of it. But I feel like that's being kind of harsh. I just have only watched really good things, so yeah, you know, it's more. It's more. It's because of that that it's lower, not. It's just not as good as her story or or Lizzie Bennet Diaries. And that's really, they shouldn't, anybody involved with the show shouldn't feel bad about that. Those are just really yeah. good shows. Yeah. So if you have any recommendations, listeners, for web series for me to check out, like I said, I have a few I'm considering for the next segment of this, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Reach out um, and I will certainly, Noel, bookmark um, that one anime that you're specifically recommending. You notice how I'm avoiding the title. Right, no. <laughs> don't know how to pronounce it's it. very fair. No, Descending Stories. I think you'll be okay. Descending <laughs> Stories. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org. You can leave us a comment there and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. Or you can find us with an M4A chaptered feed or an MP3 unchaptered feed in iTunes. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, still having some issues with the mp3 feed but if nothing else you can find us over at art 19 um google televerse art 19 and that that will come right up for the mp3 feed um but you can leave us a rating review on itunes in either uh, of those feeds we would very much appreciate it you can also find us in stitcher and um of course we're both on twitter i'm at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and i am at the televerse so thank you once again noel and thank thank you. you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse 